Good morning, everybody. It's an exciting week to be an SEC football fan. We're going to get into the NFL draft today. We're going to get into all sorts of things. Uh, before we do that off the top, just wanted to, to give some quick thoughts to all of our friends in Tuscaloosa. We know we have a lot of friends down there uh, that watch our show every week, and we know this is a tough day for you guys, a day of reflection and remembrance about uh, the awful tragedy that happened 10 years ago. So our thoughts and, and our prayers are with everybody in Tuscaloosa as they, uh, as they uh, think back on, uh, on everything that happened and everything they lost from 10 years ago. And so uh, we, we just, we're, you know, our hearts are with everybody uh, and all of our friends down in Tuscaloosa. So a, a, a brighter note to, to get us moving forward. Um, it's, it's a week where, you know, there are, is a lot of good news for everybody that's that's a college football fan. Uh, this is a week where you get to see players that you've followed for years finally get some great news for themselves, finally get a, a reward for a lot of these guys that they've been working towards for their entire lives. So it's a fun week. If you if you care about college football players and, and you like to see good things happen to them, this this is a really fun week to, to follow this sport. And, I, and I'm joined by two of my friends who also like to have a good time with me, that would be Matt Zenitz and John Talty. They they both like to party. Uh, the NFL draft is a is my name is, is Rod, a, and I like to party. That's right. And I should say really quickly uh, for all of our friends having an NFL draft party this week, consider our sponsor for today's show, Milo's Hamburger Shop. For all of our our friends around the state of Alabama, you already know about Milo's. I don't have to tell you how good it is, but Milo's is sponsoring all of our NFL draft coverage this week. So. Props to is. them. Beautiful there job. it is. Yeah, they have nuggets now. So definitely, definitely some good party food. Um, oh, some nugs. That's right. So I heard yeah. our uh, our friend Justin Yurkin is going big on Milo's first draft party. Yeah, it's uh, look, it's it's great. It's great uh, party food. And and speaking of nuggets, uh, I, I know you guys are always full of of good nuggets of information, and that's what we're going to get into today. We're 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 digging into the draft. I'm going to make a little bit of a game of it. Um, in the first part of our show and, and ask you guys to give me kind of some, uh, some over-unders, you know, the, 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 classic, the classic gambling trope as we get into the NFL draft. But, you know, there are a few, uh, I think, known quantities going into uh, Thursday night, going into the first round of this draft. Um, but there's still a, a fair amount of mystery. There's still definitely a fair amount of debate going on. So to get us started, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with this one for you guys. And I want to hear uh, Jay Talt's opinion first, and I'll offer my. Okay, count. we'll go with we'll go with John first. Uh, over under, John, four SEC players in the top ten. Hmm. Let me do the math here. Uh, we're gonna go under. Under. So. So I mean, I let, let's go through kind Actually, of the yeah, obvious picks. I mean, I I put you right at the number. I feel like I I'm the book here. Yeah. So if I'm thinking about top ten right now, I think it seems like right now Mac Jones that's one. Yeah. Mar Chase is two. You feel like Waddle is probably three, and so then yeah, I mean, it feels like it's a push. I mean, you feel like at least one of Devonta Smith and Patrick Sertan is probably in the top 10, but I can see both of them being just outside the top 10. 
some good Vegas odds right there. I, I mean, my initial inclination now is to say push, but that's it's tough. Yeah. Matt, what's your feeling? Three point right five or something like that. Four point five. So that I way, know I should I should have given you I should have given you an interval there. Push me one way or the other. Yeah, I agree with John. The the, the push would probably be the safe bet there, but I, I'll throw something out from a different perspective. So we we've obviously seen these guys play a lot during the the course of the, the last few years, including uh, last season. And the the biggest thing that I can say is that if I were a, an NFL evaluator or somebody running an NFL organization, there are some people in the top 10 that would be no doubters for me. So Kyle Pitts is obviously one. It's just a generational talent at tight end. I think it's going to be an absolute stud at the, the next level. Jamar Chase, one of the interesting things about him. So during this time of year, we, we always love the comparisons to current or former NFL players and just helps to give you a feel for what these guys are capable of. The comparison that I always like for Jamar Chase is that he has some Terrell Owens type qualities as a player. Obviously we all know what Terrell Owens did just, as far as on the field, and um, that's something always that, that has stuck out to me about him, and you can see it when you watch his game, just the, the physical traits that he has and some of those characteristics that would lead to that kind of comparison that actually came from somebody on staff at, at LSU. To go along with that, you, you have the, the two Alabama receivers, which for me, uh, you, you have a choice between Devontae Smith, who to me is the, the second coming of Marvin Harrison, and then Jalen Waddell, who – I, I think is as close to Tyreek Hill as anybody in this draft. Those would be guys that if I had a needed wide receiver or was looking to add somebody at that position, those guys would be targeted for me. And then Patrick Sertan also to, to go along with that, just an absolute stud at corner. And I think that whether it's top 10, top 15, they can feel confident that um, not only him, but another SEC corner, J.C. Horn, who I, I think people in this state probably remember for just his performance against Auburn and the one-on-one matchup against Seth Williams. Both of those guys probably in position to go at some point during the top 15 and players that I would feel confident in betting on to, to be successful at the, the next level. I've been swung over. I'm going over at four now. Because okay. I think after thinking about it. Well, we're in the top 10, though. I mean, that's – Yeah, I think it's going to be over now because uh, Zen is swung me because I think it's – Mac will be there. I think Max can go third. I think Kyle Pitts sounds like could go four. Chase could go five. That's three right there. And then you, I think that at least two out of Waddle, Devonta Smith, Patrick Sertan, and J.C. Horn, two out of that four probably goes top ten. So I'm going over. I think it's going to be five or more. All right. Busy, busy early part of the, uh, of the round for the SEC. Let's, uh, now, you mentioned a few of these names already. Uh, from Alabama, we obviously know it's going to be a big, a big Thursday night for Alabama, but we don't know exactly how big yet. So let's get into that here, and I'm going to start with I'm going to start with John again on this one. So John, I'm putting the number, I'm putting the no, I'm giving you the interval number this time, okay. plus or minus five and a half Bama players in the first round. I think I go under there because under. I, again, let's let's do it. Mac Jones is one. Devonta to Jalen three, Sertan that's four. You know, you think, I mean, you I could easily see an argument that both Najee and Christian Barmar go in the first round, which puts you at six, but I think one of them somehow slips. So I think it's going to end up being five. So I take the under. Matt, how are you feeling about the, those two names right there, Najee and Barmore right now? Just what, what's kind of the buzz on those two guys in terms of first round potential? 
And Najee, based on just growth from 2019 to 2020, has put himself in a position where he has a chance to, to be the first running back selected. Um, unfortunately for running back, sometimes those guys are devalued to the point that maybe they can slip a little bit, even if they're identified as the top player at their position in the draft. But I would say the worst case scenario for Najee is that he'll be in position to go at some point during the second round, even though it does seem like he has a realistic shot to go at some point late in the first round. Christian Barmore is a little bit more of a wild card where there, there are some concerns as far as NFL evaluators about him. And even just looking at it strictly from an on-the-field standpoint, um, just the, the inconsistency last year where it had a great end of the season, but the first half of the year definitely didn't play to the level where had first-round tape at that point. The thing that helps him, and this has come up consistently in conversations, it's a, a very weak class for interior defensive linemen, and that's going to bump some of these guys up and could maybe lead to somebody like Christian Barmore going a little bit earlier than he would otherwise, potentially even somewhere in the top 20 to, to 25. Yeah. yeah, that's the other factor here that we haven't really talked about that gets messy when all of this stuff is is when picks start to to be traded. And I know there's there's it seems like this year more than more than normal, even there's a ton of speculation and chatter about teams trying to trade up or down in the order. Yeah, I think you're going to see, I mean, it's at this point, everybody knows who the first two picks are going to be. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. And a lot of people think Mac Jones is going to be three. We'll see if that ends up happening. But I think, so if Mac Jones does go three, then the draft really starts at four. And I think you could see, I mean, there's, you know, Trey, Trey Lance and Justin Fields, where those two guys go, I think could have a big impact. I mean, if those, they both go say in the top seven, then you're going to see some pretty good guys just being forced to slip because five quarterbacks go in the top seven. So that's going to have an impact. Um, I agree with what Zenit said. I mean, there's just no, like you said, no real good interior defensive lineman. Um, I could certainly argue that Barmore is not a first round talent, but if you need one and if you're drafting based on need, then I could see him being late in the first round. I could see potentially, you know, in that 29 to 32 range where a team trades up from the second, you know, trades a second high second round pick, maybe something, you know, a future round pick to get in at the very end of the first round to grab Barmore um, if you need that interior defensive lineman. Najee seems to be getting a lot of buzz around the Steelers. Uh, there's certainly a need there for the Steelers. Najee seems to fit that general style of what they like. Um, so that could be an interesting fit for him. Um, but in general, I'll, tell, I'll tell you another one, John. Sorry to interrupt you, but but on Najee, the other one that we hear a ton of as, as we've been putting out our, our Road to the Pros documentary series on Najee, Everywhere we put it, whether it's on YouTube or Twitter, Dolphins fans are all over it. I mean, they they are clamoring for this guy. Well, I think they like the idea of, you know, maybe getting Waddle at six, you add Najee at 18, and then you just roll out Alabama's offense again. Like, the you know. 2017 national title game, basically, yeah. Pretty much. Uh, though it might be a little awkward given that, you know, Waddle also said he'd prefer Mac Jones over to us. Yeah. Uh, that could get weird next year. And I think, you know, Najee might feel the same way. But, you know, I, I think that I have seen that. I think that would be interesting. And again, I think you might see some teams trade back. But it seems overall, both Najee and Travis Etienne from Clemson, two of the guys could potentially go you know, either late first round or so, or like, you know, said and said, maybe early second round. Let's um let's dig into I mean we've just been talking about him a little bit but I I want to get specific about it. Let's talk about Mac Jones. Um Mac 
do we see right now? I, I mean, look, I know we all hear the stuff about San Francisco all the time. We'll get into how NFL fans, analysts all feel about that in a minute. But before we kind of dig into that side of it, do we do I, I'll put the plus or minus here as just being in the top five. Matt, how are you feeling about Mac Jones in the top five right now? You're going to be disappointed with my answer. I mean, it's possible. I, I wouldn't be. <laughs> yes, I agree. It's possible. I'm not, I'm not inside the room with the, the 49ers or some of these other teams. So yeah. um, just be throwing, be, be throwing out an ill-informed guess to a, a certain degree. The thing I'll say about Mac Jones, and hopefully this uh, lessens the, the disappointment with my, my answer, in, in talking to people, both coaches that um, worked with him, at Alabama, um, coaches that coached against him as far as opposing SEC coaches and then some people in the NFL personnel world also, the consistent feedback that I've gotten is that they feel like his game translates it translates well to the next level. Is it consistent that they believe he deserves to be a top five pick? No, but it has come up consistently that they feel like his game translates well. And the, the, the big knock, obviously, is he doesn't have a standout trait. He, he's not 6'6", 240 pounds. He doesn't have a big arm. He's not a 4'4 guy in the 40. But the thing that was thrown out, and this was thrown out by multiple people, is that while he doesn't have an elite physical trait, he does have an elite quality in his mind. So that, that would be my counterpoint to, to people saying that Matt Jones maybe doesn't deserve to be a top five, top ten pick or whatever because of the lack of an elite characteristic um, that – um, to these evaluators, these people that actually work in football, while he doesn't have the elite trait from a physical standpoint, he is a guy with, with elite mind. And then to go along with that, something else that the people definitely commend Mac for it is the resolve. And not just for uh, the way he bounced back from the, the couple picks uh, against Auburn back in 2019, but even if you look at the, the, the Georgia game this past season, had – the, the pick, I think it was on the first play from scrimmage. It would have been easy to go in the tank at that point, let it let that affect him um, moving forward in a huge nationally televised game. But it ends up bouncing back, moving on from it, and throwing for 417 yards against one of the better defenses in the country. That's something that, that sticks out to people in the coaching world, the personnel world, because obviously you're going to mess up at the NFL level, and it's very important as a quarterback to be able to, to move on from it and bounce back, and that's something that he's shown the capability to do during the course of the last couple of years. John, are, are, are NFL guys going to talk themselves out of picking Mac in the top five? What do you think? I mean, are we talking NFL analysts? Are we talking NFL? No, we'll get into analysts in a second here. But, but I mean, I mean we can, you know, I'll throw one more thing at John, and uh, he can follow up on this and, and, and let us know if he agrees with it. So, one of the personnel people that, that I was referencing who works for a team that's in the market for a quarterback, I asked him where, because he's watched all of these guys, where he would rank Mac personally among the five quarterbacks widely projected to go in the first round. And this is not a knock on Mac, but he, on his individual rankings, had Mac fifth out of those five quarterbacks. So views Mac as a guy who, once again, thinks the game will translate well thinks he can be productive, doesn't necessarily view him as a Pro Bowl type guy, but but views him fifth out of those five quarterbacks. Well, I, I think here's I think there are a couple of things to take away from that. I think one, I think sometimes we think about these things purely in a vacuum and not 
whether this is the right fit for this person and how is that team going to develop a person? And I've referenced this on the show in the past. I'm a long suffering Jets fan. There are a lot of guys who have gone to the Jets and have not had their right system around them, the right infrastructure around them for them to be successful and they fail. And there's always going to be that. What if they had gone to a different organization, would they have done better? And we hear stories of guys like Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes coming into situations where they could sit for a little bit, learn behind a quarterback, have a great offensive-minded coach to help them, and then they end up having a lot of success. It's not purely just talent. There's a system behind it that I think helps guys be successful. I think if Mac doesn't go to San Francisco at three, he's not going top five. I don't think anybody – it seems like San Francisco views him higher – than anybody at this point. And it could be in part because Kyle Shanahan has had a lot of success with quarterbacks, you know, like Mac Jones. I mean, the comparison that I think a lot of people have made in you know recent weeks is, is Matt Ryan, who Shanahan obviously worked with Atlanta and had a lot of success and should have won a Super Bowl with against the Patriots a few years back. And so there's been that comparison between, you know, Mac and Matt. And I think Matt Ryan is also someone who maybe doesn't have elite traits, but is very smart and you know exactly what you're getting with him. So that's something that I think that needs to be, you know, kept in mind. Um, but so we'll see. I mean, it, if you pay attention to what the NFL insiders are putting out there, they say that San Francisco is likely choosing between Mac Jones and Trey Lance. Personally, out of those two, I'd rather have Mac Jones. Um, I think Trey Lance screams bust to me, um, just based from what I've seen and people I've talked to. But again, it just depends on where you land. You know that you could put Trevor Lawrence in the Jaguars. We'll see what happens there. And if you had put him on a different team, he might have a whole different experience. You know, I think that's something that just we don't think enough about. Yeah, and and I I do want to talk about the the analyst side of this, John, because it's I'm I'm not a guy, admittedly. I am. I am. I have lived in Alabama my basically my whole life. I follow primarily the college game. I mean, I'm certainly aware of the bigger stories going on in the NFL, but I don't. I don't dig heavily into the NFL analysis the way that that maybe some other guys do. And it's always funny this time of year to me to see the debates, the passion going on from NFL analysts and fans about college players that you can tell they they have not watched at all until basically the last couple of months and so they're now they have very strong opinions of these guys that have been formed in a very short period of time and it feels like Mac Jones is the guy this year that that is doing that uh among NFL people um and I'm I'm curious what I mean what you what you feel because John I know you you've been I mean really both of you have spent a lot of time in NFL markets and have been part of that kind of ecosystem of NFL you know talk and analysis but Mac Jones just something seems to really bug NFL folks about Mac Jones that you, you can't find a video on him or a post about him without comments underneath it saying you know he's trash this guy this guy wouldn't have done any of this stuff. Uh, if he didn't have these elite wide receivers, if he didn't have this great offensive line. And look, this is these are discussions we had during the Heisman campaign, I guess, but I don't I don't feel like we saw the same level of vitriol about it. 
I think there's a couple of different factors here. I think one, it's like you said, we, it happens every single year where a lot of the people who cover the NFL or pay attention to NFL just don't watch college football. It's obvious because it comes down to this time every single year where like they either talk themselves into guys that we have all have known have been very good for a while. Like, oh, wow, this guy's great. It's like, yeah, we've known that for three years. Or there, there's some little trait about a guy that we think is very good that they talk themselves out of. And then we look back five years and he's really good in the NFL and all the college guys are like, yeah, he was great in college. We of course thought he was going to be good in the NFL. You know, there's always a couple of those guys. I think this year in particular, one of the factors is that everyone knows who the top two picks are. So Trevor Lawrence has been locked in for number one for a long time now. Sure. And then Zach Wilson has seemingly been locked in at number two for a while now. So everybody's been kind of, I think, looking at that number three pick. And so the fact that Mac Jones is potentially going at three, I think is why there's so much attention on him. Whereas in past years, there's more uncertainty at that number one spot. We're talking a lot more about who should be number one rather than like who's the number three pick. I think why he triggers people so much, it's like, you know, Matt said, I think there's not the elite traits. I think NFL guys become obsessed with elite traits. I think it's why some people have Zach Wilson as the number one quarterback because he does some crazy stuff and they discount the fact that he played against very bad competition. And so with Mac, it's the opposite. He doesn't have those elite traits. But what you were seeing in a lot of, I think, the, the negative analysis around him is that they probably didn't watch a lot of this game, a lot of his games. So they're discounting what he did against the best competition in the country game after game this past year. I mean, he had an incredible year, and that gets written off as, oh, he just had a lot of talent around him. Yeah, of course he did. But the funny thing, I think, is that did Trevor Lawrence not have a lot of good talent around him? Did Joe Burrow not have a lot of talent around him last year? Did Tua not have a lot of talent around him? Like typically the top teams with the best quarterbacks have a lot of talent around them. I mean, Joe Burrow had a guy in Justin Jefferson, who was probably the best rookie wide receiver last year. And a guy in Jamar Chase, who's probably going to go top five this year. Like, right. By the end, wide by the time all those guys are, are done with their college careers, that 2019 LSU offense is, was probably pretty loaded with NFL players. Absolutely. And that's not discounted. I think Joe Burrow is a better quarterback than Mac Jones, but it just, I think it's funny how we just, you know, we don't use that argument for certain guys, but then because we've decided we don't think Mac is good, we're going to just keep hammering him, you know, for those reasons. So I'll give you this. This might be a hot take, but I believe it pretty strongly. If I had to pick between their next 10 years, who's going to be better? I would take Mac Jones over Tua at this point. I believe that his trade strengths better and I think what we've seen behind the scenes what I've heard about what I know about him I think he has a better shot to process things at the NFL level better than Tua and I think that's going to allow him to be successful better uh, and more substantially long term than Tua is at this point I mean I I think I think John well I'll let me just say real quickly Matt I I think I think that is that is an aspect that again I'm gonna I'm gonna be biased towards the college side of this, but I think that's a thing that that college people probably have a little bit better understanding of why you would say something like that, John, than NFL guys do because they just watch they, they just look at the measurable stuff, right? And I mean the the truth is, in terms of what was surrounding them, Tua had every advantage that Mac had, and yet Mac's winning percentage, his his completion percentage. Almost every measurable stat that you can accomplish at Alabama was better for Mac than it was for Tua. And I know the sample size was different, but, it, it, you know, in some ways, Mac accomplished something in his season as a starter that Tua was not able to do as a full-time starter. So 
I, I think that's that's a good example of the kind of things that guys who only pay attention to these players for a few months a year don't really have the the depth of understanding of of who these players are sometimes. Go go ahead, Matt. Sorry to interrupt. So the, the thing I wanted to follow up on, John is not the only person that feels like that. So I asked somebody who was at one staff at, at Alabama with both of those players while gathering feedback for, for something I'm working on this week on, on Mac, uh, who he feels like long-term is going to be a better player at the NFL level between Mac and Tua. And what he threw out is similar to what John said, that the safer bet is Mac because of some of the qualities and characteristics that we've talked about. And that's not to take anything away from Tua because Tua has some special qualities. You saw flashes last year. So this is not to take anything away from him. But at the same time, throughout earlier, just about the game translating well, the, the people, the, the reason that people feel like that the game or that his game translates well is because he's accurate, gets the ball out on time, going to follow the game plan, and overall a guy that can be depended on to get the ball out at the right time, and to the right place. He's efficient, and that's a reason that I think quarterback coaches, coaches at the next level are going to be big fans of Mac Jones. So my my opinion has changed some throughout the course of the lead-up to the draft because I'm one of these people that falls in the category, typically, of if you're taking somebody in the, the top five, whether it's a quarterback or another position, that, that person should have some elite, rare, physical characteristic. But the, the more that I've heard about Mac the, the more I, I believe that even without necessarily having a standout physical characteristic, that this is a, a player that could be, I don't know if it's a Matt Ryan or, or somebody like that, but a, a guy who can be successful at the next level. And something that I was told to look at by somebody in the coaching world is look at the, the Pro Bowl rosters for, for quarterbacks, the quarterbacks who have made the Pro Bowl um, throughout the course of the last few years and even last year. And the thing I'll pull up and throw out to, to you guys is the, the NFC quarterback team from last year as far as quarterbacks. You have Drew Brees, you have Aaron Rodgers, you have Kirk Cousins, you have Russell Wilson. How many of those guys has a Patrick Mahomes-level arm or Josh Allen-level arm? Maybe none of them. So the, the point that was made, you as appealing as it is to have a guy who can throw the ball 85 yards – most of the, the top quarterbacks in the NFL don't have these standout physical traits. And the, the thing that allows those four quarterbacks or some of the other top quarterbacks around the league to be successful is the ability to be accurate and being a guy that can be consistently dependent on to get the ball out at the right time to the right place and being efficient. And I think Mac falls in that category. And, and again, I know this is probably considered cheesy stuff from NFL guys who love to be super analytical and data driven, but Oh, you also, about to dunk on the nerds. But but you also you also as a quarterback have to part of that job is working well with other people and and having good relationships. And not every guy that has a rocket arm is able to do that. Is naturally good at that. A lot of them try to do it by sheer force of will and alpha dog everybody, and it doesn't always work out. And we've heard many stories of that. And I honestly, I I, I do think I do think that having a guy who the rest of the team likes playing for and wants, wants to succeed with, with him as their guy, uh, that can, that can make up for, for a few extra yards of arm power. We can more than make up for that. So, and look, I, again, I think it's probably a bigger deal at the college level than the NFL level because the, the talent level is so much higher in the pros. 
but I still think it matters. And I, I mean, you talk to anybody who played with Mac on that team last year, and we've talked to quite a few, they will all tell you in, in not the typical cheesy college athlete answers that Mac was a guy that they all really got along with and played for and, and felt, you know, leadership from. No, Scalise, I think that's a great point. And I don't think it's cheesy at all. I think that you, as a quarterback, you're going to be the face of the franchise and the most pressure is going to be put on you to deliver. And ultimately, if things go well, you're going to be making the most money out of anybody on the team. So you're going to be demanded to do the most. And your ability to galvanize that locker room full of grown men is a really important thing. And I think if you do look at the teams that are best, it's usually they believe in the quarterback, you know, and teams that, you know, on the flip side, you know, guys say like Jameis Winston, who has a lot of the pure talent. And then, you know, I remember thinking about watching his like, you remember that famous pregame speech where he's talking yeah. about EWs. You're just kind of like, this guy's this guy's a joke. Like there's yeah. no way he's gonna buy into that. And the ability to naturally lead, I think, is very important. And I agree, I think Mac has that. Uh, to go to Zex's point earlier that I think is interesting, and I agree with is that for a long time, like you said, top five, you want an elite talent. And I think it's really only changed in the last few years. I mean, there are, there are not five elite quarterbacks in this draft. I think we know that. But the game has changed so much that there's such an emphasis on quarterbacks. And rookie contracts are workable enough that it's almost worth taking a shot in the top five with a QB. Because if it hits, your entire franchise is different. And if it misses, you try again in three years, basically. I mean, that just seems to be the cycle at this point where should Mac Jones go number three overall based on all of his skills? Probably not. But if you believe he is the guy that can take you to the next level, and San Francisco has gotten close a couple of times, then it's worth taking him at three, even if he's not as pure of a talent as, say, a Jamar Chase or a Jalen Waddle or some other kind of freak athlete. All right, last – go ahead, Matt. Scalisi will appreciate uh, about Mac Jones. So this is something white one source brought up with him. Did and people go to his birthday party? What you say? Did people go to his birthday party? <laughs> Wait, what was the birthday party? So this is a birthday reference. Uh, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> you have to explain that to me afterwards. But uh, – the, the comparison that, that Scalisi, I, I think, will love, and John might appreciate it also, even though John's a harder critical me than, than Scalisi is. So one, one source compared Mac to one of Scalisi's favorite people. So he compared him to the Alabama version of Steve Rogers. So I think we've all seen the, the, the picture at this point. With, and I, I'm being serious. This is the real comparison that was made. So, oh, gosh. But <laughs> – uh, I think we've all seen the picture at this point of what Mac looked like when he first got to Alabama and, and what that source throughout arrived at Alabama looking like the pre-Captain America version of, of Steve Rogers and <laughs> developed into what he ultimately became. I will say, he, based on those those cigar photos that came out in Tennessee, we, he does not look like Steve Rogers anymore, for yeah. sure. I'm disappointed now that we've gotten – so. In terms of potential top 10 picks, we've now gotten Mac Jones as Steve Rogers and Kyle Pitts as Spider-Man. It's really a missed opportunity by us to not have Zenitz give us an Avenger comparison for everybody. <laughs> I know. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll work on that later on Twitter, maybe. Who's All Zach right. Wilson? Okay. Well, what's the, the, the Marvel guy? Wait, what's the, uh, wait, what's the comparison for Devontae Smith and, and Jalen Walker? De- definitely. Look, the easiest one is that is that uh, – 
Because all I'm doing is, is that we've got people's stories. I, I'm, I'm not clever or creative enough to come up with this stuff on my own. I'm, I'm just sharing other people's. Uh, <laughs> they've thrown out that very Yes. Okay. So, so what is the, the Matt Scalisi, Billy Joel looking, look like ver, or look, compare? The easy, the easy, I'm not going to do the whole top 10, but the easiest comparison is that Trevor Lawrence is, is Thor. Uh-huh. From from the early movies back because I think he there's Not a perceived the, uh, Thor. No, he's got the hair. He's got the perceived kind of arrogance uh, that that you want from Thor. You know, he's he's definitely. I think uh, he's had his humbling experience uh, where where he 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 only won one national title during his college career. So you you have to go through some adversity before you can be worthy. So I I think he's a pretty good. One to one with Thor, but I don't know. I don't know about the. There, there's too who, many quarterbacks. It's a problem. Who, who would Jalen Waddle be? Who would Devontae Smith be? Let's let's get into Jalen. Let's let's wrap up our show today really quick by talking about <laughs> Devontae Smith versus Jalen Waddle because I think it does seem like at this point uh, they're both going to go pretty early. Everybody seems to really like both of these guys. But is there is there a, if you're a team that's picking, what is kind of the key? difference that you're looking at between these two guys and what what would make you necessarily choose one over the other john well first off i just want to give a shout out to uh one of our loyal first down south listeners uh my buddy kevin he and i've been debating smith versus waddle for about a year now uh so they'll he'll love this debate because he totally disagrees with me but i mean it's there's multiple different factors i think it's again it comes down to fit and how you want to use them and what you need personally to me if I had to pick one of the two, <laughs> Jerry Black. Jerry Black. <laughs> I do not encourage that that type of talk, Jerry. Uh, I would go Devonta. I like Devonta a little bit better. I've been a Devonta guy for a while now. I thought that you know, I thought he was underrated. You know, a year ago behind you know Judy and, and Rose, and I think he's. I think he was underrated for a lot of this year because of all the hype that Waddle got. Waddle's incredible, and I think you can use him a lot of different ways. But like. If Smith ends up being kind of even anywhere close to Marvin Harrison, like Zenit said, I mean, that's a guy who can be consistent for you for many years and really change your offense. You know, I know people are concerned about his weight. It's kind of weighed, you know, weighed over him uh, the entire draft process. Uh, and, you know, I get the concern. There's, you know, I think there's worries about he's going to get beat up and he's going to get stuffed, you know, at the, you know, at the line and things like that. But I just think he's so smooth. I think he works so hard. And I think he's just, you know, just such a complete wide receiver in many ways that I think you draft him. and I think he's going to be a stud for you for a decade. I think it just comes down to which wide receiver you want more. Do you want Marvin Harrison or do you want a Tyreek Hill like player? I don't think you can go wrong weight with either one. It's just a matter of which skill set fits that specific team. But thing I'll say, Henry Ruggs went number 12 last year. I would be more comfortable betting on both of these guys to, to be consistently productive long-term than I would be on Henry Ruggs, who went number 12 overall. And I think Henry Ruggs has, I mean, obviously the the standout speed, you know, probably one of the faster players in the NFL at this point. And I, I think he can do some good things at the next level. But I, I would bet on both of these guys to, to be more consistently productive than, than Henry Ruggs. And I think both of them have some special characteristics. I don't think you can go wrong way with either one as long as they, they both stay healthy. I agree. It's just interesting to me that it's, again, it's just based on, you know, what people need this year and things like that. But there's a chance that Devonta Smith will go last out of Waddle, Ruggs, Judy in terms of where they're drafted, which is just kind of wild to me, given that, you know, 
He just won the Heisman as a wide receiver. I, I do think his his physicality well, he, he, is I, underrated. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think people focus so much on that, but it's the the more we watched him last year, it, the more and and he started becoming more and more dominant. The more obvious it was to me that as fast a guy as he is and as physically talented as he is, it, it, you can go back and and look at at all of his best plays. And it's always an understanding of how the actual play works, right? It's almost always his his success is built around his mental understanding of what's happening on the football field, much more so, I think, than his just pure speed and and, and physical ability. He is he is a guy who has a an intellectual grasp of the game and of his position in a way that I think very few wide receivers do. And I don't think he would have been able to be as dominant as he was if it was just based on his, his physical talent. Wait, one thing that I, that I'll throw out as a a follow-up though, is it's easy to forget now just because Jalen Waddle missed a a lot of last season due to the injury. But if you go back to the, the build up to the season and then the early part of the year, more more people than not, both internally at Alabama and then other people in the SEC coaching world, viewed, and this is crazy to say, considering Devontae Smith won the Heisman, but viewed Jalen Waddle as the better, more dynamic, more dangerous player leading up to the injury. And it's not like they thought Devontae Smith was a bad player by any means, but um, more people than not, once again, both internally at Alabama and in the SEC coaching world, viewed at that point pre-injury Jalen Waddle as the, the better, more dangerous, more dynamic guy. And um, if you look back, if I remember correctly with the numbers, he even had better numbers at that point than, than, than Devontae Smith also. So I'll repeat, just so people don't think I'm hating on De- Devontae Smith, I, I think both are going to be very good players at, at the next level. And Devontae obviously had a special season, but it's easy to forget to a certain degree, just because he missed a lot of last year, how special and dynamic Jalen Waddle is. Yeah, I mean, Waddle is, has that kind of electric, electrifying aspect to him that I think even Devonta doesn't necessarily do. Like, Devonta's yeah. a little smoother to me, whereas Waddle just does these things that kind of make you go wow, maybe a little more. I mean, though, I mean, Devonta had some incredible catches this past year, too, that made you go wow. But, I mean, I was, you know, before uh, before we did the show, I was watching, you know, somebody shared a clip on Twitter of his punt return against LSU Waddles, and you're just kind of like, wow, that's pretty insane. And so I think it's going to be really interesting, again, where he goes and how they use him. Because I think at a minimum from day one, he can be, if you want to use him this way, an incredibly dynamic either punt returner or kick returner for you. Let him develop a little bit like that. And, you know, like Zenit said, I think his ceiling is probably Tyree Kill, who I think you can argue is probably the most electrifying player in the NFL from a receiver standpoint. Devonta is not that. I just think that Devonta, I think the floor for Devonta is higher than Waddle. But I think I could agree that the yeah low bust Waddle, the ceiling for Waddle could be higher than Devonta. Yeah, and the special teams part of it is is worth taking note of also, and it makes me think back to something a coach threw out at some point during during the course of the last year that the Jalen Waddle, just looking at it strictly from a, a returner standpoint, probably the the best punt returner in college football during the course of at least the, the last five years. So that, that's another area of the game where he will likely have a, a significant impact or could have a significant impact at the next level. Well, definitely going to be an interesting weekend for the NFL draft, certainly on Thursday night, a, a dramatic first round in store potentially. But uh, we will have tons of coverage for you on AL.com and uh, all of our social channels here brought to you by 
Milo's, our friends over at Milo's, and uh, they're they're sponsoring all our draft coverage this week, which also includes the Road to the Pros series that you can see on uh, both Najee Harris and Anthony Schwartz. Uh, those are out there wherever you're watching this right now. Definitely, particularly recommend the new episode of the Najee Harris series where we were able to get a hold of uh, Marshawn Lynch talking about Najee Harris, and he uh, was not correct. You got a hold of Daddy, not Marshawn. Lynch. Uh, that's right, D A D D I, as he wishes to be uh, known in that documentary. So, go go and check him out. We've got draft profile videos uh, on basically every potentially draftable player from Alabama and Auburn uh, up on our YouTube channels as well. So go and check those out uh, with some fun insights there from their former teammates. And we'll have lots of other coverage coming from John Talty and Matt Zenitz and the rest of the crew uh, wherever you can find uh, AL.com content. So thanks, everybody, for watching and us on Thursday. I'm going to comparisons from Mascalusi to go along with this. So I'm going to be very disappointed about Kudo's draft profile. <laughs> and I don't see here uh, some Marvel DC comparison for each of these prospects. Maybe I'll do pick-by-pick pick gifts on draft night, Matt. Maybe yeah. I'll do that for you. I like that bit. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody.